It's Mailbag Monday here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Let's answer your questions. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, November 28th, 2022. This is Tidane Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube. Or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. The link as well as our social accounts is in the description below. It is Mailbag Monday. We got some questions from our Twitter followers that we'll be answering on today's show. But before we get into that, Colby... We, we are a little over a week away from our giveaway ending, so remind the folks what we got going on. Yeah, we're giving away some free baseball cards. Subscribe if you want one. Boom. That pretty much sum it up. There you yeah, go. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. We are, what, like 30 or so subscribers away from uh, having to give away our signed Cal Raleigh card? Your signed Cal Raleigh Our, card? our yeah, Cal your, Raleigh your, card? Your, your, My Cal Raleigh your card. Your Cal Raleigh card. <laughs> your yeah. Cal Raleigh card. And then we're about uh, 250 away on Twitter from giving up uh, my Jared Kelnick card. So <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume those are the only milestones we hit because unless we go crazy and add like a thousand in the next week, I get to keep my Mike Cameron card. So that's good. But yeah, uh, yeah we have a Cal Raleigh autograph card and a Jared Kelnick card, autograph card. They're still attainable. Uh, and then we're already giving away a Taylor Dollard and a uh, Taylor Trammell. Uh, and I know you guys want to steal the smug SOBs cards. Like, I know you do. Just look at them. Just look oh. at how smug he is. Look look at him. Look at him. I'm steal affable. His cards. Okay. Steal his cards for me. For me. Do it for me. I know, I know you guys like me more than him, so do it for me. By the way, bonus, if we get to 5,000 by the end or by the time we, re- we record tomorrow's episode... I will throw in a Daniel Vogelback autograph card to one of the lucky giveaway people. So somebody will wow. win two cards. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I know I know people are really stoked about that. I mean, how could you not be though? It's Cornelius after all. A signed Cornelius card. Look at card. this face. Look, yeah, look at, at him. Look at that. All-star. All-star. Don't you disrespect Daniel Vogelback? I I wouldn't dare to do so on you this just show. just did. We can read your tone. <laughs> Colton's going to be mad at me. Let's get into these watch. questions. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, let's get <laughs> into these questions. Uh, tough, Tuffy Ghostwish Amirer. That's the yeah. name of this Twitter account. Raise your standards, that, buddy. That's a really interesting brand to uh, to take there. But uh, you know what? Do you live your life? All that. Tuffy Ghostwish Amirer asks... Who are the Mariners likely to extend next? Which player would you prefer they extend next? I'd say Cal is the player I would prefer they lock up next. Um, I think the simple answer really, Colby, is no one. I don't think they're extending anyone. But if I had to pick, uh, it would probably be Cal Raleigh as well or George Kirby. Uh, but Cal, the reason why I say that it's probably going to be no one is because starting pitchers are hard to lock down because of all the money that could be waiting for them on the open market down the road. And also, you know, pitchers are fickle, right? Uh, the same thing can be applied to catchers as well. Like you just, you don't know because durability is such a big part of catching. You just, you don't know 
what that's going to look like down the road. And so it's hard to make a commitment like that, even to someone like Cal Raleigh, who looks like he's well on the rise, all that good stuff. It's just these are when you're getting into who's left in terms of extension candidates, there are a lot more complicated situations than Luis Castillo and Julio, right? Yeah, we've talked about this before. Um, the Mariners are in a really good spot with their young guys. Um, you know, obviously they have Julio locked down for, you know, hopefully life, um, baseball life. Uh, you know, and and they've locked down Castillo now. Uh, Gilbert and Kirby are. Uh, Gilbert still has five years of, of club control left. Kirby still has six. Um, so they don't need to do anything there. They have five years with Cal Raleigh as well. So they don't need to get any of these done. And, and honestly, if you're the players of the, those three players, if you're the agents, you really don't want an extension right now because you're going to leave money on the table. So it just really doesn't make sense, uh, to extend any of those guys. And those are kind of the three obvious candidates. I mean, maybe you could take a shot at, at locking down Matt Brash, but again, you have him for six more years at, at rock bottom rates. And if you're brash, you know, you might think, Hey, I can still start. Maybe I get traded and I get a chance to start. And if I do, I'm, I'm leaving a lot of money on the table. So, yeah. um, you know, JP's already locked in, uh, you're not giving an extension to Gino. Uh, he's in his thirties and, you know, swing and miss issues there. And he's still got three years uh, and, of club right, control. And, and Ty France. Right. And Ty France, I think still has three years as well, maybe four. Um, <clears throat> and France isn't a guy that you're, you know, bending over backwards to sign right now. It just, it doesn't make sense. You can just go year to year with him. Um, and really the only other guy, maybe Tay Oscar, but I mean, that's a tough sell because Tay Oscar's never played here. He's never been here. He doesn't really know if he's going to like the fit or anything like that. You're guessing. So you're probably yeah. going to have to pay full market price, which I mean, <clears throat> do you want to give Tay Oscar four and 80, four and, you know, 90 um, before you even know if he's going to fit? with you and, and, and your ballpark and your atmosphere and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a pretty big risk. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the answer is nobody, maybe a reliever, maybe Paul Seawald gets, you know, they buy out of your Paul Seawald's free agency or, or maybe it's, um, maybe it's a, a pinch guy. Maybe Sam Haggerty gets like six years and like eight and dollars or something small like that. Uh, right. but I don't think you're going to see any major extensions this, this winter. Uh, you know, you're not, you're not doing Kalnick. You're not doing, any of those Termel, you're not doing any of those guys. So, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think the answer is none. Yeah. Uh, the Teoscar one is, is interesting for sure because he does only have the year left and maybe by the time that you get around the all-star break and you know how the player fits and all that stuff, maybe you do have those conversations. Plus it should be noted that he does share the same agent as Luis Castillo's. So, yeah, you know, there's always, I mean, there, there's already a, a rapport there between organization and agent. Sure. So we'll see. But, same agent isn't the same as as player, right? So right, yeah. Uh, I will say one like one dark horse I'll throw out there, Tom Murphy, uh, maybe. Um, you know, Tom might want to might want to see if he can get a starting gig somewhere, and he knows he's going to be the backup. But uh, I think he's in his last year of arbitration, and and you know he's a really good backup catcher, hits lefties very well. Uh, and so if you can just kind of, and the Mariners really don't have a a, a good in house option. To replace right. Tom Murphy, so I think Murphy may be an interesting one, but no, nobody major is getting an extent. I'd be, I'd be pretty shocked if the Mariners gave anybody like a five plus year extension. Yeah. All right. Next question coming from Max: If we don't trade them, even though I think we will, would you rather 
who would you rather have as your fifth starter, Chris Flexen or Marco Gonzalez? Maybe Matt Brash. Or would you hope for someone currently in the minors? Listen to the show every day. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Max. So what do you think about this, Colby? If Marco or Flexen stays or both, which one would you prefer to start? Or is it still someone like Taylor Dollard, Emerson Hancock, <coughs> Matt Brash, et cetera? So assuming they both stay, which I agree with Max, they're not going to. Um, but assuming they do and assuming they don't add any other pitchers uh, who have the possibility of starting, um, I would – I would. Uh, you roll into spring training with that as a true competition. Uh, there's no reason not for it to be a, a true competition. But, uh, you know, based on what we saw last year, I would give the edge to Flexen uh, quite personally. Uh, you know, Marco, if he, if he shows up in spring training and he's got like, you know, the 2019-2020 type of control and, and the changeup is, is flashing and all that stuff, and you could definitely give it to Marco, but both are, are number fives. Uh, I just think Flexen is a little bit safer because he has a little bit more stuff and he doesn't need to be quite as pinpoint with his command as Marco does. Mm-hmm. And he, frankly, Flexen was just better last year than Marco Gonzalez. Yeah. So uh, that would be my choice. I don't trust Matt Brash enough to, to throw strikes, you know, for six innings. Um, he still had issues with walks even as a reliever. So uh, if Brash comes in and, and he's, you know, he's dotting the corners and he's got tremendous command and, and control in the spring, then maybe give him a shot. But, uh, to me it's, it's flexing and then, uh, it's flexing and then Marco, uh, and there's nobody in the minor league system that I think is ready, uh, to start or be in your opening day rotation. So agreed. Yeah. Flexing is just the better pitcher than Marco right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, now on the flip side of that, he would also convert more, uh, comfortably to the bullpen than Marco would. Uh, so you do have to weigh that as well as like, all right, if I'm stuck with Marco, if I have to (laughs) roster Marco, I mean, you don't have to roster Marco, right? Like if you don't think that he fits, you just, yeah, you just DFA him. And then, you know, if you just got to pay that money, then you just got to pay that money. You got to eat the money. And that's just what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that that has to be taken into account. If Marco is close enough to flexing, then I probably end up picking Marco over Flexen and just let Flexen pitch out of the bullpen. But it's got to be really, really close. I mean, there has to be – it basically has to be a tie. That's the yeah. only justification for it. Yeah. All right, we got more questions coming up here in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. You're listening to the Lockdown Mariners podcast. It's Mailbag Monday. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Let's get back into these questions. This one comes from Michael. I've heard you guys talk about bat speed, such as in reference to Jerry Kelnick. Is it a measure of peak bat velocity or reaction time? By the time a player hits the major leagues, is there anything he can do to increase his bat speed? Colby? Uh, yeah, so bat speed is it's a it's a scouting term for the most part. Now they are getting um, more analytical with it. They can measure obviously the velocity of the swing and all that stuff. So yeah, it it is you know the fastest the bat travels through the zone, but it is also um, you know it, it's kind of a an all encompassing type of discussion when you talk about bat speed. Um, sometimes it's obvious to see guy can't hit ninety six ninety seven. Um, 
you know, and that like, for example, Sam Haggerty against fastballs up left-handed, he's, he can't touch him. He, it's a bat speed issue with him left-handed. So, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of an all encompassing thing. There is data for that. It's not as easily available as things like exit velocity are. So we don't have access yeah. to, to bat speed data. It's more um, something that someone like driveline would have right. access right. to rather than like, like baseball mm-hmm. savant. Right. And yeah, there are things that you you can improve your bat speed. Now, um, you also need to understand that basically every year there, there's a tipping point, right? Like after age like 30, you're going to lose some bat speed naturally. Most everybody does. Uh, and that's when it becomes even more important to, you know, make solid contact because obviously, you know, the slower your bat moves through the zone, the less velocity you're going to generate. So uh, yes, it is something you can get better at. You can train uh, the folks at Driveline do a really good job with this. We know some Mariners go to Driveline. Uh, there's <clears throat> things you can do to compensate for a slow bat. You just have a quicker uh, setup and you can get through the zone a little bit quicker. Um, and you don't need tremendous bat speed to be a great hitter. You really don't. Yeah. Um, Ty yeah. France probably has average bat speed and he's a yeah. really good hitter. So yeah. um, bat speed's a little bit of a, a catch-all, uh, at least when I use it. Uh, there are people who have the data and they would tell you this and this, and there are hitting coaches who would tell you X, Y. But for me, I look at it and I say, you know, is is the guy late on a lot of pitches? Is the guy chasing? Is he guessing? Is he way out mm. in front of the changeup because he knows he can't catch up to the 98 yeah. in the back pocket? That's what bat speed is. It's just about trusting that you can get, that you can cover the entire plate. And if you can't, you probably have some bat speed issues. And, you know, again, you don't need bat speed to be a good hitter. It certainly mm. helps. Um, but you can't have like just a, a glacial bat speed and be a good hitter. You have to right. be at least somewhere closest to the middle. And, and while you don't necessarily need it to be a great hitter, there has been more of an emphasis placed upon it because, you know, pitchers in baseball are hitting 97, 98, 99, even triple digits more regularly. Right. That's just right. becoming a more common thing now where, you know, most pit- like it's a rarity now to run into a pitcher who's throwing 91, 92, 93 with efficiency right so i i would just say you know just a good general like does it look like a guy's guessing at the plate mm-hmm. if he does then he probably knows he has bat speed issues right because he's trying to cheat essentially to catch up to the fastball um, jerry this is and, why we use jerry kelnick as an example right you mentioned right. jerry kelnick in your question this is why right like kelnick looks like that guy he looks like he's lost at the plate and he looks right. like he's not able to catch up to anything, especially those fastballs mm-hmm. up in the zone, right? Like that's just. Right. And, and we've talked about how, like, yeah, we've talked about how it's like a muscle. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we've talked about how it's like a bulk issue for him, potentially the a torque issue, all that stuff. So it goes into how you prepare your body as well as how you train your body ultimately and train your swing and train all that stuff. So there's a lot you know that goes into a, it. You no, know it might be a good idea, maybe for later this winter. We should try to get one of the uh, driveline guys on our show yeah. and we can talk about how they measure bat speed and like, you know, how they extension for pitchers and all that stuff. And uh, maybe just go over a few of these things because Ty and I are not, you know, scouts. We're not experts no. We don't, and we don't have the data that those folks have. So, uh, yeah, it might be fun to have kind of a technical episode where we talk about, you know, how can you generate bat speed? How can you, you know, mm-hmm. Matt Brash is working on a cutter. We saw that. Like, how do you go about creating a new pitch or, or whatever so i that might be mm-hmm. a fun idea i think i could make that happen too so nice. uh something that uh 
something to maybe look forward to in the future. All right, let's move on here to Randy. Randy wants to know, with the departure of Eric Swanson and potentially more, who are some underrated relievers the Mariners could get this winter, uh, that be a via trade or free agency? Uh, Randy mentions that he really likes Joe Jimenez. We also like Joe Jimenez a lot. I think Jimenez, though, is going to be a little too expensive on the trade market for uh, for the Mariners' taste, but we'll see. Um, Colby, you and I really like Seth Lugo, right? Like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's hard to focus on relievers uh, because the Mariners tend to just pluck them out of thin air, mostly on minor league deals, and then they turn them into high-leverage guys, you know, Paul Seawald, uh, et cetera. So, um, but yeah, Seth Lugo is one of the guys that we've, We've talked about quite a bit Trevor May as well, you know, a local guy uh, who's uh, coming off of some injury issues, but has been a high strikeouts guy. Anyone else? Um, yeah, so I don't think the Mariners are going to get involved in like the super high end relief market. They're not going to give $13 million to anybody, uh, AAV or anything like that. Uh, so typically they're going to look for live arms in other people's system that they can't seem to figure out. Uh, typically what it is is the Mariners, uh, you know, scouts and also their analytics people find a reliever who they think has a pitch that's being underutilized and or they have a pitcher who's trying to do something that they're not best at. And they say, hey, do the thing you're best at. And that's that's worked yeah. gangbusters over the last few years. Um, one name I'll throw out there who's not really a reliever, um, but he could be. It, you know, if he wants, if he is willing to give it a shot, I do wonder if the Mariners maybe reach out to somebody like Drew Smiley, um, who, mm. you know, could be a multi-inning, you know, middle guy, uh, or I, I mean, technically they could even sell him and that he has a shot to win the number five starting job right now. Uh, sure. so that might be appealing to him. Uh, but Smiley's a guy that we know they like, they acquired him once. Um, so if he's willing to give the bullpen a shot, I think the Mariners can get something a little more out of him. But in terms of pure relievers, I, I think Seth Lugo is a really good uh, reclamation project. Yeah, Seth Lugo, high curveball spin rate guy. Mm-hmm. You can miss some bats. You can go multiple innings. Mm-hmm. I, and he's and he's not going to cost much, right? Like I, I think the Mariners are willing to spend some money on the reliever market, but I think mm-hmm. that is more like three to five million dollars AAV and that's where Lugo is probably going to land someone like Trevor May will probably land there as well instead of the the you know eight to ten million dollar guys which is like Andrew Chafin right I mean maybe they sign one of those guys yeah maybe maybe yeah but it de- it yeah. depends on how how else they use their money right uh, at yeah. the end of the day so like if they have it's, you know some excess money left and there's a reliever that they really like that they otherwise wouldn't land if you know maybe this thing happened or this thing happened you know maybe they do that but i would suspect that if the mariners do add someone that uh, add a reliever that actually costs a little bit of money it's probably going to be someone in, in that three to five million dollar range i i would say like i would bet pretty hard that the mariners best addition in the bullpen is a guy that nobody gets excited about. Right. It you know, maybe, maybe they already added that guy, right? Maybe Gabe Spire is that guy. Maybe Easton McGee maybe. is that guy. <laughs> like we don't know, right? Because well, like you, you just Yep, yep. But the uh maybe the, the Mariners the Mariners like they just they just do this, right? Like they yeah. just do this. So we don't you know, you can't rule anyone out when they add them. By June we could be talking about Bryce Miller and Perlando Barroa being high leverage relievers. Like we don't know. So yeah, they'll they'll figure something out. I'm not worried about the bullpen at all. Um, it should be, it, it, it's not like it's not a priority, but it should be at the bottom of their priority list. They're yeah. pretty darn good at it. 
Next question here comes from Grant of our minor league guys. Who do you see? Oh, this is a <laughs> this is pretty relevant oh. here. Who do you see ending up in the bullpen, and who do you see starting? Uh, Perlander Barroa screams reliever stuff to me. Bryce Miller, Taylor Dollard, mm-hmm. any others worth mentioning? Uh, Isaiah Campbell is the one guy yeah. that I would definitely mention here. I think Isaiah Isaiah Campbell is going to be a legit problem out of the bullpen uh, whenever he finally gets called up. Uh, there's right. some really nice stuff there to like. Uh, yeah, Barroa is probably going to be a reliever because he's just one of those guys who throws hard but can't find the strike zone. You know, we've seen yeah. those guys are a dime a dozen, uh, but there's doesn't, some stuff to like there. Yeah, Barroa doesn't really have a third pitch. He's got a changeup yeah. that he kind of messes with. It's not very good, but he gets a ton of whiffs on the slider and the fastball, the metrics, the spin, the the extension, all that stuff. Like the fastball is off the charts. So I'd be pretty shocked if Baroa uh, didn't make his you know debut as a reliever. Yeah. Um, they'll give him a chance to start, but I think ultimately you know the writing's on the wall with Baroa, and that's why they added him to the forty man. Um, Miller, I think, is going to get a longer leash to try and start because he's sensational. Yeah. He, Miller's probably the best arm in your in your uh, system right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he could re- he could be a reliever. Uh, I could see the Mariners getting to June and just being like, look, we just we need stuff out of the bullpen right now, so we're going to go get uh, Miller and Adam, and he's going to pitch in relief. Uh, but the game plan still be to have him be a starter long term. So uh, Dollard is not a reliever. Uh, he is he's a starter. Uh, he's mm-hmm. number four, number five, but he's not he's not a reliever. Um, he could do it if he absolutely needed an arm, but you he's just not going to play up like Baroa or Miller will. Uh, yeah, Isaiah Campbell's a great one, the, the great command, uh, fastball splitter yep. uh, type of guy with a pretty decent slider. If you're looking for an Eric Swanson replacement, Isaiah Campbell might be that guy at he the end of the be. day. Yeah. Right. And again, the Mariners added him to the 40 man to protect him as well. Yep. Uh, Travis Kuhn is, is kind of an interesting one. We'll see if he gets picked. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some, some Penn Murphy ish stuff to him. Maybe a little bit Paul Seawald to Travis Kuhn, so that's an interesting arm. Uh, but yeah, you know, the Mariners, like Ty said, they just kind of pull these guys out of nowhere. So, uh, Baroa, I would say, is definitely a reliever. Miller, I think, can start. We'll see. This will be a big year for him. Uh, he might make his debut as a reliever, but right now, I would still say he's a starter. Dollard's mm-hmm. definitely a starter. Hancock's definitely a starter. Um, and then if you're looking for just like pure relief arms, uh, Campbell's already been moved to the bullpen full time. Kuhn is a full-time reliever. Um, and then I guess I would say watch out for Brian Wu, um, mm-hmm. who is just jumping up charts, fastball slider changeup. Uh, they're going to give him a long leash as a starter as well. And I don't yeah. think he'll make his debut in 2023, but I wouldn't rule it out entirely coming out of the bullpen. It's, it's mm-hmm. big-time stuff for Brian Wu. Yeah, um, and a lot of folks really like Joseph Hernandez as well. Uh, yeah. So there, there's there's going to be options for the Mariners uh, to to mess around with here, and I, I think we're going to see quite a few of the names that we uh, we mentioned over the course of this upcoming season. And uh, yeah, all right. So we got a few more questions to go, but real quick, a reminder: this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Simply Safe. If you thought about securing your home with home security, but have been putting it off, you want to listen up right now. Locked On Mariners listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for fifty percent off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you don't want to miss it. 
Here's why I love Simply Safe. In an emergency, 24/7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real, so you can get priority police response. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and out. Smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. 24/7 professional monitoring service costs less than $1 per day. That's less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere. Arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras or adjust system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/lockedonmlb today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com com slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Colby, let's get into these last few questions we have remaining here. Starting with PNW for life. Is Emerson Hancock ready to jump into the rotation? If Marco Gonzalez and Chris Flexen were to be traded, would the M's dare to roll with one of their pitching prospects or do they sign a starter slash have Brash fill the role? Uh, Emerson Hancock making your opening day rotation means a disaster has occurred. Uh, he's not, no, just no. Um, even if he started spring training as your ninth guy and the, you know, three other guys got hurt and he's next in line, go sign somebody else. It, no, you do not use Emerson Hancock in your opening day rotation. He's not ready. Hasn't proven. Maybe he comes out and he has like this George Kirby, like jump where like we can start talking by May, like, oh, wow, yeah, Emerson Hancock might be an option. But you're not doing it out of spring training. That's ridiculous. So, no, do not use Emerson Hancock. Um, Mm -hmm. And, again, if you think there's a chance that you might end up using him early in the season, go sign somebody. Mm -hmm. Go give Michael Pineda $4 million and then just eat it when Hancock's ready, hopefully in July. Like, don't do that. You have to have some reliability on the back end of your rotation. Emerson Hancock's not better than Marco Gonzalez. He's not better than Chris Flexen. He's not better than Taylor Dollard right now. That could change. We'll see how he looks in the mm-hmm. spring. But there's basically no scenario where Emerson Hancock makes the rotation, and you should feel good about what the Mariners did. It means the Mariners failed in the offseason. So they need to go add an arm if they're going to trade Flexen and Marco. They have to. And they've made it pretty clear, I think, that they are going to do that. That That is the plan, is that if they are able to get rid of Flex and, and Marco, or one, at least one of them, that they're going to go out and sign someone, right? They, Jerry DePoto has very openly talked about Kodai Senga. Now, it's possible that Senga is just a special case, right? Like, it's just like, if yep. we don't get this guy, then we're not going to add a starter, but... I, I would think that considering the conversations that they're having right now with other teams on Flex and Marco, that the plan is they're going to get someone else to at least compete for that number five spot. Senga would obviously be written in pen in the rotation. Anyone else, maybe not so. Um, but yeah, you know, and the, the Senga thing is interesting too, right? Because there are a lot of teams that are interested in Senga. It's not just the Mariners. There are a lot right. of teams that are openly talking about Senga. So I would say that the odds of them actually landing him are relatively low at this point. But uh, it, the fact that they are interested signifies to me that they they want to add someone and they probably will add someone, whether that's Senga or not. 
Right. It's, I mean, one thing we know about Jerry um, is that he's creative in his team build. So if he doesn't think he can go get that big, huge impact bat, um, you know, the 140 WRC plus type of guy, there's only Mm -hmm. two or three out there. If he can't go get that, okay, well, how do I win games? I'll just out pitch, you know, run prevention. And and that's how I'll do it. And that's how I'll spend my money. So don't rule out anything. Like, I think, I think there's a, I think there's a universe out there where like somebody like Chris Bassett signs with the Mariners. Um, Maybe it's Taiwan Walker. Maybe it's Nathan Navaldi. I do think there's a scenario where non Senga arms uh, enter the Mariners rotation this off season. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know which one exactly, but I I do think it's, it's definitely higher than zero that the Mariners add a legitimate number three Mm -hmm. uh, in lieu of, you know, or instead of, you know, putting $300 million on Correa, they go get Bassett for 18 and then they go get, uh, you know, Nemo for 24 or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Andrew, whatever. Benetti, whatever. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, let's see here. Who else do we got here? Sage. Sage wants to know, do you think Kelnick would start at left field with today's roster? No. Mm, no, I think Sam Haggerty would. Or Dylan Moore. Or Jesse Winker. Or Jesse Winker. Or maybe Dark even Kate Marlowe. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was gonna say Kate <laughs> yeah. Marlowe. Right. Like on I the forty I, man. Uh-oh. He's on the forty man now. And I mean maybe the, I mean there's maybe a non zero chance that the organization likes Kate Marlowe better than Jerry Kelnick at this point. Maybe enough to give him a shot over Kelnick. Yeah, at least, um, yeah. Yeah, so I would say no. I, I think Tramel might even still be ahead of Kelnick. Um but mm-hmm. yeah, no, he wouldn't. Yeah, Kelnick was starting games in the playoffs and at the end of the season for necessity, right? I mean, Winker wasn't out of circumstance. Like, out of circumstance, right. yeah. Winker wasn't available, and neither was Haggerty. So yeah, there's two kind of big ones. So yeah, yeah, I'd say no. Uh, last question here from Mike Miller. Big fan here. Love the pod. Any idea how much a general manager in baseball makes per year? Are their contracts structured like a player or would it be completely different? So, I mean, this information isn't public really like because the teams don't really have a, a need to make that information public. No um, obligation. Yeah. Uh, I know there was like... <clears throat> a study done by Forbes, I think, uh, back in 2016 that had like the top five, uh, general managers by, by pay. And Brian Cashman was obviously number one. Um, if you're asking this from a pure Jerry perspective, I would say that Jerry probably lands somewhere in the one to $2.5 million range, uh, per season. Um, and in terms of how they're structured, I don't really know. I, 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 to be honest with you, I would assume though that they're more in line with how like a contract for any job, any salary paying job would be. Um, I don't know if there's guaranteed money involved. I don't know any of that really, because just again, that information is just not out there. Um, but general manager, I would just say this general managers don't make a ton of money to, you know, what everyone else in the league makes, right. What players make, et cetera. Um, I think, you know, the middle tier general managers, which I would consider Jerry DePoto to be just in terms of like name recognition and all that. I think they probably land somewhere in that again, one to two and a half million dollar range. Is there anything you want to add on this Colby? Yeah, I would, I would say, I I think the lowest uh, earning GMs probably make about 
uh, player minimum, 750 grand, mm-hmm. give or take. Um, I think the top end GMs maybe get four million dollars, maybe five at most. And most people, most GMs, my understanding is land somewhere in the one point two million dollar a year range. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I believe, and I'd have to double check with somebody on this, but I believe gen- general manager contracts are fully guaranteed, just like okay. players in Major League Baseball, okay. right? Like, uh, so if like for example, if Hollander's making a million bucks a year, right? And he signs a three-year deal. And after a year and a half, you know, Stanton or or Jerry decide to fire Hollander for whatever reason, they would still owe him half of his contract. Like they gotcha. don't get out of that. There is so um unless I guess if you're fired with cause, like, you know, some kind of you know, their <laughs> HR problem, let's just call it. Sure. Um, then maybe you can recoup some of that. But I believe it's the same with managers as well. Contracts are guaranteed. Whatever you say, you're going to pay the guy. That's how you have to pay him. Um, there might be settlements involved if you fire a guy early, but it's generally, my understanding is, is that managerial contracts and GMs are, are they're fully guaranteed contracts, just like players. And also we should remember that in almost every single case, managers make more than general managers despite mm-hmm. general managers technically being the manager's boss. So, right. um, yeah, keep that in mind. GMs are, are, they make good living. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're poor, but they're not, you know, raking in $20 million a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a it, great it's job. It's more likely it's, than not that a lot of analysts that you see on TV make more money than, uh, <laughs> Oh, some absolutely. of the general managers in baseball. So yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. it's part of the reason why I don't see Theo getting back into it unless he's offered ownership stake. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a really fun job when you're good at it, right? But it is a thankless job, and it's not a high paying job relative again relative to what everyone else in the right. league it's, is is making. Your team is worth four is worth four billion dollars, and you're making eight hundred grand. Yeah, and you run the entire thing from the baseball yeah. side of it. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, now, I'm, now from a Jerry perspective, again, I it, maybe he makes more now that he is the president of baseball ops. Now that he's got that does. title, yeah. Uh, I don't know what that entails, though. I have no clue where to begin Although, with that. To be fair, he was already president of baseball ops uh, before he wasn't the GM. But yes, right. I would imagine that he's making more than Hollander and Hollander. Like, yes, yeah. I, Jerry is is definitely got a pay raise. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so and Hollander. then. Yeah, and I don't know what Hollander is making no. right now. Uh, Teams do not typically share contract details about anybody who's not a player. Players, they yeah. have to. Everybody else, they do not. Yeah, and there will be like times here and there, like every five or six years where Forbes or someone will talk a little bit about that stuff and they'll get some information right. on that. But with inflation and everything, who knows, right? Like that $3 million mark for Brian Cashman, that may very well be like six, seven, eight million million now. Who knows? I, I really, like, I have no clue. Um, but yeah, again, like, you know, we said at the end of the day, they're not making a ton relative to what managers and players are making. So yeah. it just is what it is. All right. That's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidane Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now for your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast featuring the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. 
It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts just like us. And with that, have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Peace.